Welcome to the Interviews Podcast. Welcome, Interisti, to episode 21 of the Interviews Podcast. We are here for the post game of the Champions League, say it with me, semi final. First leg finishes 2 0 to the visitors. Would you believe it? The visitors in our home stadium. Inter with goals from Jekko in the eighth minute and Mikitarian in the 11th. What a game. As always, I am one half of your hosting duo, Alessandro Rafa, joined here by Johnny Paterno. Johnny and I watched this game in a bit of a, a different sort of environment. I was home watching it with my dad on the couch so I could have my my freakouts. Johnny had a bit of a different experience. What was going on, man? Dude, I went into enemy territory, a local bar here, and watched it with about 12 Milan fans. It was me and one other Inter, one other Inter fan. And honestly, I was a little, little hesitant at first. But my goodness, did I get to smile the whole time and just see hearing them complain, hearing them throw fits, arms up, getting angry. I thought they were ready to punch the TV a few times, but oh, what a what a this couldn't have gone any better. Continuing their narrative this year of us against the world, Johnny in a packed Milan bar representing this club that we love so much that came through today through today, right? 2-0 win, listen, it's not the margin of victory that I feel like we could have had on the night. And we'll get into the game um, for sure. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a an advantage that Milan has to overcome. I think they're not a team that you can count out, and they showed that in the second half of the game today, which I, I do think, um, you know, we'll talk about it. it had a lot to do with, with Inter sort of um, taking the foot off the gas pedal. Um, but still, you know, a dangerous, uh, a dangerous tie, but one that we do have an advantage going into the second leg. We are so close. You know, I, I tweeted it out from the interviews um, account earlier in the day. Like this is a, a date with destiny, right? We were so close. We're a game away to the ultimate prize. Um, and it was Milan standing in the way and the guys got it done today. So let's go ahead and, and jump right into it. This was... Um, Wait, before before we do jump in, I owe a massive apology to Simone Inzaghi. Mm. I have given him so much grief, so many things that I've said on this podcast, I've said in spaces, I've tweeted, I've ripped into Nima and everybody else who believes in this guy, but every time I second guess him and doubt him, he proves me wrong. We can get into that. We can get into the lineups, whatever. And, I, and uh, again, I got some other apologies I got to throw out. But that one right off the bat, I have to get out in front of it. I'm not I'm not going to let you you know, hang yourself out to dry there all on your own. You're not the only person on this podcast that called for Simona's job. But again, you know, in the past, we've talked about scenarios of what, how would this season have to play out in order for Simona to keep his job? And it's it's sort of it's sort of on that trajectory. Obviously, that that is a conversation that we'll have at the end of the season. But what what cannot be taken away from the boys is that 
as as tough as it's been and as as bad as some of the stretches and ugly as some of the stretches of of football we've played have been they are on fire right now on fire i think that's six straight wins um the team is is uh in form in the in the part of the season where you need to be in form and where we can see how other teams who aren't in form um how it's affecting you know what what their squad might look like for next year so really proud of the boys um why don't we start with the lineups as we usually do uh, today we saw a familiar backline: Darmian, Acerbi, Bastoni, and Onana. Uh, the wing backs again, something that we're very familiar with: Di Marco and Dumfries. There were two selections that I think um, everyone had something to say regarding. The first being Jeko over uh, over Lukaku uh, in attack, partnering Lautaro, and the second being Mikatarian over. A, it has to be said. And we've given this guy grief. A really informed Brozovic right now. A really, really informed Brozovic. The the Brozovic that we've been, we've grown accustomed to seeing adding to the past couple of years. The decisions obviously, obviously played out to be the right ones, right? Both Jekyll and Mikitarian got got themselves on the score sheet. Coming into the game. Did the absence of Lukaku and Brozovic give you pause a little bit, or did you have faith in Simone Coppa that he's been getting these these right the whole time? Dude, I was so mad at these selections. I was getting mad in spaces. I got into it with Nazario. I, I even just like temper tantrum left a space because I just didn't want to hear anything that anyone else had to say. I, I wasn't even being allowed to speak, so I was I was like, I'm out. But I am I am coming out and making a vow right now that I will not second guess Simone the rest of the year. Whoever he wants to play, he can play. I don't care. I mean, if they drop a stinker, that's on the players because he knows what he's doing. I may not think he knows what he's doing, but every time he's done something like this where he's played a specific person that I didn't think should be starting or I didn't think was in form, that, per- that player shuts me up and proves me wrong. And of course, in a in a fitting fashion, the two players we didn't want in are the two that end up on the score sheet. And I can guarantee you, had Lukaku started, there's no way he would have got around Calabria to get that kind of touch and redirection on that goal. And I don't know if Brozovic is that far up the pitch where he's able to even make that run that Mickey makes. And oh my gosh, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the both of them too because I was giving them grief and I didn't think they were good enough. I didn't think they were on. I mean, Mickey's been a great player all year. I'll give him that. Jekko has been out of form, and I mean, until the game against Hellas, he hadn't scored, so I was a little worried about him getting the start in such a big game with the way Lula have been playing together, but it turned out to be the right call, and you know, hats off to them, of course, for proving me. I don't mind being proven wrong. I don't mind it at all. I would, pr- a pr- a, I would rather be wrong than be right in these situations, but my gosh, he was uh, spot on with his call to, to, to start those two in this game. Yeah, I think the two competing schools of thought here are you're going into a big game, so you should. The first school of thought is you should start your best 11. And there's no doubt that Brozovic and Lukaku over Mikitarian and Jeko are the best 11 that Inter can put on the pitch. The other school of thought is that in a knockout, you know, knockout rounds um, or in cup games like this, you need to be able to have difference makers come off the bench. And I think Simona's thinking is that if Jekyll and Mikitarian can give us a lead or can keep us close 
until the later stages of the game, the 60th minute, the 70th minute, then I would rather sub on Lukaku against tired legs or Brozovic to maintain the lead and keep the tempo that we need, um, as opposed to putting on Mikitarian and Dzeko. Mikitarian makes sense if you're chasing a goal. Brozovic makes sense if you need to protect a lead. We're talking about them as subs. Dzeko makes sense from the start because he's not a difference maker against tired legs, whereas Lukaku is. So... Like, I don't, I, I don't think, no, nobody should be attacking anyone that says Lukaku and Brozovic should be starting because it's not, it's not a bad thing to want your best 11 players on the pitch for a game like this. I think that Simone's formula of wanting to have the difference makers come off the bench and they have different profiles, again, protect the lead versus go after it. it it's working right now, right? It's working right now. So you can't, you know, you can't knock it. And in the second leg, I fully expect the same thing to, to unfold. And it's not a shot at Brozovic or Lukaku. It's just the way that the team is constructed. This makes the most sense, right? No, it definitely makes the most sense. Um, and everybody in the spaces were saying the same things. You know, I, that wasn't lost on me. I just was... Actually, I think, and I think Nazari was on the same side too. I, I don't even remember to be honest, but it doesn't matter. I think that, yeah, I, I was in the school, the mindset that was just play your best 11 in this game. Um, I definitely understand that, yeah, if you want to defend the lead, that Brozovic makes the most sense. Yeah, if you're going for it, he doesn't really offer much going forward. He does offer, you know, something in, in, in ball position and retention. But, it, yeah, like going forward, he doesn't really. And, and by going forward, it's not that I don't mean he can't, you know, lead the attack or, or, or call, you know, have the, the breakout play through him. I just mean like he doesn't offer you know much in goals right, and stuff right. and, and where you can get that from Mickey. Um, but anyway, it was listen. I don't think yeah, like you said, I don't think anybody would have been wrong with what they were saying. I could see both sides clearly, and I'm sure everyone else can. Um, but I think we we as fans we all know the importance of this and how not even just because of the Champions League semifinal, but because it's a derby and it's Milan and losing to them. A third time in the knockout stages a row, I think, would be kind of soul crushing for us, you know, and especially given the circumstances of the season and the way things haven't played out the way we wanted. And a lot of us think, you know, we weren't up to to par in the league, um, myself included. You know, I mean, listen, I can complain about 11 losses all day, but we saw this and not even from a financial standpoint, just to get back to the Champions League final. In a, in a time where we aren't able to spend, and you could say the same thing for Milan, but like Italian teams in general don't have the money to spend to compete with the teams in the EPL. And hats off to, to Milan to beat the teams they did to get here. Hats off to us. I mean, some laugh. You know, they think I see Bayern fans on Twitter saying that we don't deserve to even be here because of who we had to play. Listen, we have to beat the teams in front of us at the end of the day. And, you know, we weren't even supposed to get out of the group. So, like, I, I guess we're just the worst team ever to make it to potentially a Champions League final then. Like, if that's the way they want to look at it. But at the end of the day, this is going to be massive for the growth of the league. Forget about just the financial aspects. I think that this just puts a, a good light on the league, especially given with what, the you know, the news that comes out with Juve and stuff and, you know. Uh, which that's always seems to, to take away from from the good that happens in Serie A, but that's for another conversation another time. I just think we knew as fans that how important this could be for us. 
And to come out the way we have with the players we have and, and to, to perform the way we did today, I couldn't be more proud of them. I mean, this is our, what, fifth clean sheet in the last six games, too? That's huge. I mean, and you could even argue that had it not been for an Achebe mistake, it could have been six of six, really. You know, like, I'm so happy with them. I'm happy with the way they came out. I said in, in, to, to Nima, Nima asked, like, what, I, what, what kind of play style I would want. And I said, I hope we come out the same way we did against Lazio. And and with the you know on foot on the gas and just go 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 and we did we got the two quick goals um, we should have had three or four in the first half in, in my opinion I mean, if that Hakan shot went in that hit the post I think the, I think the Sancito would have collapsed yeah I really think it would have just blown up on itself like <laughs> that was such a shot with so much venom and power. And then, and then the Barella touch to pass it back to Mickey off. I lost my mind with that that play. I mean, holy cow! I am, um, yeah. I'm just very happy that we were able to get the the result. Especially, this is huge for us. This really is huge for us. And and I feel very comfortable going into the second leg. I'll just leave it at that. So. There's, you know, you're talking about how great this is for the league. I did you watch the game yesterday, Real Man City? I watched part of it. Uh, I I had something to yeah. come up and I, I couldn't finish it. But so, like everyone's saying, um, oh, these are like this is the weaker side of the bracket, or you know, don't don't want to see these teams from this yeah. farmers league competing. There was. No comparison in terms of the energy from San Siro. Oh, yeah. It's not even a question. In terms of the energy on the pitch, like if you watched Real Man City yesterday, they ha- there's stars littered all over the pitch. It did not have one-tenth of the intensity that this game had. This is yeah. the people at Paramount who, if you're looking at them, Kate Abdo, Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher, Michael Richards, like everything about that crew screams Premier League. That this game was ten times more intense, more fluid, just more chances, more just everything about it. The stadium outdid the Benabeu yesterday without question. Not, to not me. even a question. Not even a question. Just and also the fact that it's one of you know potentially one of the last uh, um, Milan derbies you'll see in a Champions League semifinal at San Siro, like. The amount of of football history, uh, how big this game was today compared to the game yesterday, for me, there's no question. Like, and I really think you're if you're question if you're against me on this, you're either a prem head or um, you know, you're you're a casual, right? Like, you just oh, Man City and Real Madrid. Like, today's game was amazing in terms of um the intensity and the fans you know the the atmosphere i guess you would say um such a such a win for for the champions league and for football to have a game like this in in the semifinals if you are an inter fan or even a neutral that was such a fun game to watch obviously you know <laughs> milan fans uh i'm not really sorry for you but yeah that, that could not have been fun for you to watch um, but my goodness, I mean, from the moment we kicked off, it, it, you know what I'll say it was a little nervy the first five minutes. Yeah. And once we settled in, which was relatively quick after that, it was over, man. I mean, uh, God, I, I, I love it. I know. Yeah. 
I got bored, to be honest, and I was kind of glad I had something else to do in the meantime from that the the other game yesterday. Right? <laughs> like, um, how is that? Yeah, I, like, I had the I, same I just, feeling. How is that happening for a Champions League semi when you're saying those are the two best teams in the world? Like, yeah. this was a knock-em-out yeah, I mean, slugfest compared to that. Especially from City. You know, I mean... Listen, I, I'm I'm a fan of Pep. I'm I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater of the EPL. I'm not obviously I'm not a, a diehard fan. But I I don't know if you, did you watch the Amazon documentary about Man City? I've seen parts of it. Well, that made me appreciate Pep Guardiola a lot more watching that and the way he thinks and the way he talks to his players and stuff. You know, a lot of people give him grief and, and say he isolates certain players and blah blah blah. I don't know. I saw a different side, and I I liked him and made me respect him a lot more. And I I see the way his brain functions, and I was like, that is so interesting to me. But it, it but he does. It, I will say he does overthink big games, in my opinion. I think he overmanages it and tries to get too creative and tactical and, and stuff with yeah. it. And, and I think yeah, and it's just like it cost him in the end. And I think that was another. We saw that yesterday. Ancelotti's more than happy to sit back and, and accept that and, and kind of have that coming around and, and and hit you on the counter. Like he is a master tactician as well. Um, and he's just so cool. He, he doesn't let anything bother him. That's what that's actually why I want Man City in the final. Not not Real if it's my choice. But yeah, um, I, I after watching both of these games, I feel less worried about the other side of the bracket if we're able to pull this off like i feel less worried about it yes they're absolute powerhouses and no this is like i'm, mm-hmm. I'm not like you know i'm not saying oh my god we got it in the bag yeah, i'm not yeah i'm not disrespecting either one of them but i feel a lot more confident if we are able to finish this off that in a one-off game 90 minutes no two-leg stuff no you know we could take a one goal lead into the second leg with them I feel like we can beat them in a one-off game. Yeah. Either one of them. I truly believe that. The feeling of being um, like like the definite underdog going into it. Like I know we are, but as somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, consistently watches this sport hadn't have done so for years, I, I know what the conversation is going to be on Paramount and on Twitter and in spaces. Yeah, of course. Like, of course. I, I know what that conversation is going to be, but personally, again – Knock on wood, fingers crossed. If we are able to get into the final, I'm I'm going into it like feeling that that we can do it. Like I'm not going to feel sorry 100%, for ourselves. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And as long as we play with the same effort that we played with today, I don't see it. Like even if we were to lose, let's say, I mean, because we know anything could happen. You can dominate possession, you can dominate rate of play, you can dominate chances, but sometimes all it takes is one fluke opportunity, and that's it. You're down one nothing. Um, if we play though, the way we have been playing these last few weeks, I, I, why not? Why can't we dream? Why not us? Like, why can't we not be the team to, to, to shock the world? Um, and it would be such a fitting way to, you know, with how the disappointment we've had in the league, the, uh, you know, I know you've been frustrated. I've been frustrated. Everybody's been frustrated with the way we played in the league. But if you would have told me like, Hey, you're going to finish top four or not finish top four, whatever, let's say we even know, but you're going to win the champions league. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I'll take that. We've I'll, what have we had these last few years? We won a scudetto with Conte. Simona comes in, mm-hmm. we get, you know, our Coppa Italia, but it's been a couple of years of ending our European dreams in the the group stages, right? So like this is the next the next step and it's like, you know, to get one my only the I of course am rooting for for us to get the Champions League. The only thing that would 
not sour it for me, but I don't know how I would feel about it would be that that Sooning gets their Champions League and and what that could do for a potential sale of the team. Again, like I'm I'm feeling better about retaining Simone next season than I am about continuing forward with Sooning as owners because it seems it seems to be that like we are what we're doing on the field is in spite of what we're getting from from our ownership from our ownership right like they're the cause of all the turmoil mm-hmm. and the the team is winning in spite of them am i wrong to say that no i don't think you're wrong at all like i'm i honestly think that and again i'm i'm not in the locker room i don't know but i feel like they're they're looking at it as like hey if we win this maybe we're that appealing to a group that they're like, hey, we got to buy them now because they're hot. And if we just add a few more pieces, they could stay hot and just keep bringing silverware home. Like maybe someone will want to like purchase us. Obviously, I don't know. I mean, we saw how fast the Milan sale went through. It was pretty quick, you know, last summer. I mean, granted, their situation isn't that great. However, if somebody could see how appealing we may look, you know, if we're able to win, you know, another Coppa Italia, we won the Supercoppa. If we're able to win a Champions League, maybe somebody's like, hey, like, I like this Lautaro kid. I like this, um, you know, Barella. I like Bastoni. Let's renew them and let's add a few pieces to this, whether it be, you know, I don't know. I mean, you hear the rumors about Neymar, you know, <laughs> what, what if, like, right? Like, you, like, we, I mean, that's probably a little crazy and out of our budget, but you know what I mean? Like, there are players out there that could actually come in and reinforce and, and continue this upward trajectory, which is what we want, right? We want a sustained project, not something that's like good for a, a small window or one year or whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful, but yeah, it's, you know, our success is playing out on the biggest stage possible. Um, so let's see, let's see what that means. All right, let's get into the game here. Um, so usually obviously we do the, the lineups and, and the, um, the first half, second half, and it, it, is very pertinent today because it was a game of two halves, right? So in that first half, we were all over Milan, right? So let's talk about the big actions that occurred. The first the first big thing, obviously we came out with a ton of energy, but the first big thing is actually the goal, right? Um, a goal from, and I am so happy to say this, a set piece. Finally, <laughs> finally, this team is built like a bunch of, a bunch of behemoths in the box, like should be able to, to be more effective from set pieces. And finally, Jekyll's big ass body gets in the mix and rifles a beautiful volley into the top corner, which when you're playing against a keeper like Manyan, any sort of situation, like where it is a set piece where it's not just like a straight one-on-one, which he's really good in any opportunities you can create off a set piece are going to be crucial because they're tough for a goalkeeper, right? They have the goalkeeper has to decide whether to come out to the ball, whether to stay rooted. There's usually bodies all around in front of him. I'm so, so happy with this set piece goal and that we're finally able to, um, to turn around that as aspect of our season because we have been lacking from them recently. Um, perfect ball by Chalanoglu and a tremendous finish from the, uh, the Swan of Sarajevo, the 37-year-old striker that apparently is getting getting himself a bag next year, Edin Dzeko puts it into the top top part of the net. I mean, drinking from the fountain of youth, the way he was able to outmuscle Calabria, get his big leg around him and just redirect that into the top corner. You know, like 
it was just perfect placement. It was obviously a striker who knows how to use his body, who knows how to put the ball in in specific situations. And it's such a typical Jekyll-like goal, you know, like just making something out of nothing, not knowing how that was going to go in, not knowing if he would even be able to, to, to do what he did. But he he finds a way to score some of these goals that are absolute bangers. Like I think of the ones he, he did against Shakhtar Donetsk and the one he did against uh, uh, I might have been P- Victoria Pilsen too, um, where he just you know gets his leg around or, or one time volleys it from outside the eighteen. I forgot who it might have been Fiorentina or something. No, maybe not. Whatever. Like it, he did that earlier this year too from outside the box off a misdirected cross from from Dumfries. I mean, this guy just. Every time I put him, I write him off. Every time it doesn't matter. He he proves me wrong. He does something that just makes me go wow. I mean, I tweeted right after. You know, Jekyll, I apologize. <laughs> you know, like I mean, the guy is just so clutch for us, um, especially in the Champions League. I'll say, you know, in the Champions League, I feel like he's a whole different guy for us. And I think because I mean, he's won the league title in Germany. He's won a league title in uh in england unfortunately we didn't help you know get him that title but i think he knows like this is an opportunity to win a big european trophy i'm gonna go all out for it and um yeah beautiful goal beautiful beautiful goal yeah he's a he's a big game player and he's come through for us um in a lot of a lot of moments where we really needed him and you know when you think about uh you know third strikers on teams right the the He's the definitive third option if you think about our best our best uh, forwards, but you know he finds himself in the mix every every now and then, and he's able to to put in um, some pretty big performances and big goals. You know we saw two halves of him, right? He also scuffled a shot that mm-hmm. he definitely he definitely should have put past Manyan. I believe it was in the second half that opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah. But he does the job, uh, and and he gets himself on the score sheet here. And barely a second to breathe. Just, you know, a few, three minutes later, uh, we get a goal from the the Armenian Mikitarian who pl- is played in by DiMarco. And I don't know where the Milan defense was on this one. Like, they completely lost him. No player in a Champions League final should see himself that free with that much time to run into the box and put one past Manyan. But... Mikitarian does it. And again, we're talking about an aging player. I believe he's 34 years old that is coming up for big for us in, in these big moments. Yeah, no, I mean, and we also have to give credit to Lautaro in that situation. You know, he could have taken control of the ball. Instead, he almost, you know, dummies it um, and allows the ball to roll past him right into a, a, a streaking Mikitarian who comes in and, and dribbles, you know, a little bit in and, and you know, fires it right past Manyan. So that was a incredible heads up uh, play from Lautaro there. So, I mean, my goodness, what a beautiful second goal. And the crazy thing was, too, I was looking at Twitter and I see, oh, my God, Mickey. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, what? And literally, like, 20 seconds later, I see the goal happens. And I was like, holy cow. I was losing my mind. It was, like, amazing. Like, I mean, kind of ruined it for me a little bit because I kind of was expecting something to happen. And I didn't know if it was going to be a big miss. But then it turns out to be a goal. And man, what a beautiful, beautiful uh, second goal there! Glad he got Manyan going the other way too. That uh, kind of freed him up to to drive that right down the middle. But 
beautiful to go up 2-0 that fast was ma- like i thought that was it like boom we, we we took them out of the game immediately so we were all over them like apps like dogs i mean every second ball was ours every 50 50 challenge was ours we were absolutely dogging them and i don't think that they were prepared for our intensity off the bat right like you mentioned and i think grella mentioned it um, on the commentary as well, these games, these big games, typically they take a second for both teams to sort of find their their way into the match. But I loved the approach from Inter here, which was like, no, fuck that, like let's we're we're bringing it from the from the first uh, uh, whistle, and they went after that. It wasn't that long after the second goal that Chalonoglu hits a strike from it had to be like thirty yards out, um, just a pile driver of a shot that comes off the post. But at this point. Um, the game is turning very, very chippy. Um, we are, we are, you know, putting in really hard tackles and there was a lot of, you know, Milan players on the floor complaining, uh, about how rough the game was. I actually, I think this is a good, a good segue into talking about the refereeing for the game today. I like my games being physical, right? This is a contact sport. I don't like like a Brahim Diaz that if if a player that's much larger than you is going to put in a challenge on you, just because you're not physical enough to be able to compete in that challenge doesn't mean that you're getting fouled. That player has the right to put in a challenge. It's not their fault that you don't play physically. Like you you have to learn how to play like that. There's been plenty of shorter, you know, less physically employed Gary Medel, like, look at him. He's an absolute shrimp, yeah. but he plays he plays with that physicality. And I liked that the referee was letting some of that physicality um, physicality go. What did you think about the intensity in, in the match today? And um, before we get into some big refereeing decisions, what did you think of, of the referee's decision to sort of let us play? I mean, I love that. I love that he wasn't taking any of these, like, you know, flopping around. He was calling them out. I loved when Tonali, you know, clearly dove after um, somewhat of a challenge from Dumfries that he told he got in his ear and kind of told him, like, hey, stay on your feet. You know, like this is I'm just going to give you a foul just because, you, you you know, you fall down and or you trip over yourself and you start whining. And I think that's the way it should be, especially in a game of this magnitude, you know, in the Champions League. I don't want it ever decided by the referee. I don't want it even, you know, um, put in their hands whether it be a foul in the box one way or the other and i'm glad even with the you know the penalty that was awarded for inter that they went and looked at the var and they and they they brought it back because i thought it was soft too i'm not going to sit here and pretend like you know like oh you know we deserved it you know give us the penalty blah blah, blah. like he went down easily and in my mind like latado probably could have got onto that ball and take a shot on goal doesn't mean he would have scored but i, I would have preferred him to try and then if they did foul you, then, you know, I'm sure they would give it, you know, you'd be giving them a reason to call a penalty there. So especially after you turned, you know, you put Tomori on skates, man, like just, oh, it was so beautiful. I was so proud of him. The touch he had today, the control he had, and, and even in some plays in the midfield leading up to that goal or that opportunity, I should say, he was at outstanding and it kind of took away from from his uh, his play, I think. I, I would have liked him, to, like I said, to, to take a shot there, but I loved that they. I feel like they. A lot of the chart, the calls were rightly done, um, and when they used VAR, I think they used it correctly. So, yeah, I got I got no complaints in that. And I'm glad. I hope whoever does the second game also brings the same thing, or doesn't try to like give them an advantage or something just to make it 
more i don't like i that's what that's the only thing i don't want you know yeah and i think it's important to to not give soft fouls early in the game because then once the players are onto it the rest of the game is going to become like you know a, a contact fest where everyone is just looking to go down um at the first opportunity in order to take advantage of a referee that has a you know a pretty pretty uh light whistle or a trigger whistle um i guess is the right word as far as the penalty goes, again, amazing by Lautaro to delete Tomori, who who got deleted by Jeko as well today. Like he he Tomori was on skates for most of the game, um, played better in the second half, but we were destroying him. As far as the penalty is concerned, that was taken away by VAR. I'm on the same page with you for the simple fact that if it was the other way around, I would be fuming if they gave that as a penalty. The contact, 100%. it was soft. You know, the shirt pull wasn't enough. So I'm fine with something like that because that's the refereeing that I would expect to happen if it was the other way around. Um, yep. And I would want it to be consistent like that. So we do not get the penalty. Um, but still, you know, we're all we're all over them. And that first half ends um, a dream start for us. We get into the second half. Second half was a different story. And I want to talk a little bit about the approach and the mentality here. Um, it felt like we were comfortable with that two, nothing lead um, going into, you know, three more halves of, of football to be playing the second half today and, and the two halves um, next week. I, they couldn't handle our intensity in the first half. And I, you know, before I made my subs around the 65th minute, I would have asked my guys to go all out for that first 15 um and try to get that third goal obviously you're playing with the risk that you know if milan scores while we're, we're going after it, if they hit us on the counter then they're right back in the game but the value of that third goal for me outweighs you know milan coming back in and getting that 2-1 um because at that point you're you're really talking about you know no risks for for uh, 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 the return leg right like three nothing is three nothing there's a, a team has to go all out for three nothing and with as good as we are on the counter like not a problem in in that second leg um, but we weren't able to get it done what did you think of our approach coming out the gate in that second half yeah I would agree that it did feel like they were very satisfied with the the scoreline at that point in the game and, and they were more than happy to just hold it out. Um, I wish the same thing. They would have come out guns blazing, you know, try to get that third goal quick and then you could, you know, bring out your starters and rest them all. Um, it is what it is. I mean, I feel like the first 15 minutes, I feel like Milan looked very dangerous. I was a little worried that they were going to steal one back quickly and then that would give them the motivation to possibly equalize because um, we, we've seen in the past how, how sometimes we do respond, or I should say don't respond to our opponents scoring on us. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a concern there. Um, I think once we got into like the 65th minute is when we started growing back into the game. And finally, that's obviously when, in, when Inzaghi made some subs and, and brought in some fresh legs uh, and, and people who can, you know, have an immediate impact off the bench. Um I was very happy with like Lukaku's performance, and so I was glad that we were able to absorb that initial, you know, outburst from Milan and, and kind of withstand it, you know, like a bend don't break type uh, mentality. And um, yeah, that was uh, listen worrying, but we I think we handled it well, all things considered. Yeah. <clears throat> so there were two actions from Milan that um, were 
I guess the most worrisome. The first was when Di Marco and Bastoni just completely lost their man, Messias. Um, a ball was played in perfectly for him. And that was that was a real chance. I, I know that based off of his shot that he completely just fucked it up, that it didn't seem that dangerous. But he was alone in the box with plenty of time and plenty of space. Um, and that was a worrying moment. And that for me is like, you know, don't switch off. And that, again, is something that we've seen from DiMarco and Bastoni. Not as of late, but we have seen it a few times this year where there could be a miscommunication um, on their part. A uh, little worrying there. And then, of course, Donali hits the post. You, you just can't you can't give him that much time. I don't like I don't rate Tonali as one of the better midfielders in the world. Like some people on Calto Twitter do like I really when I see comparisons with him and Barella, I really, really can't stand to see that shit because they're not even in the same class of of player. Um, but again, you know, he has a dangerous shot that that clips the outside of the post. Yeah, like they're not even in the same ballpark. Like it, it drives me insane when people try to talk about them in the same breath. Like it's just I know but listen, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that Barilla doesn't, you know, flop around sometimes when he he looks like he got shot in fouls, but the way Tonali was today, it really turned me off even more from him. Like I, I don't I don't know if he was trying to like slow down Inter in the first half and that was like part of his game plan or he was instructed to do that, but I felt like he was flopping way more than normal, more than Theo, which was a surprise in, in that regard. So, yeah, just just please stop trying to mention him in, in the same conversation as Barella, Verati, yeah. Fratesi, Locatelli. Like, just, no, you're not it. You're not there yet. Yeah. Um, there were also, so as far as Milan's midfield is concerned, I, I don't really even want to get into the layout talk for today because his, yeah, his yeah. absence had nothing to do with what Inter was doing on the on the field like he could have been there and we still would have dominated them um in that first half there was nothing that he was doing that was that was changing the game um but uh Benacer is a loss for Milan Benacer is definitely a loss for Milan and once he uh once he came out of the out of the pitch um they went to having Brahim Diaz being much more involved going forward. I wonder if he's going to be out for the second leg. If he is, that's that's a win for us because of Milan's midfield, I actually do rate Benacera. I think he's one of, of their yeah. better players. To me, to me, he is their best midfielder. Um, I feel like he is so vital to their success. Um, so yeah, I think once he came off, that definitely made it a lot easier for us to perform and, and to be able to take control of the midfield for sure. So yeah, I mean, I don't wish injury on any, on anyone, of course, but I was happy that he was gone. Um, you know, I, I mean, I hope he's there for the second leg, but we'll see. All right, so our first uh, first sub is made in the 62nd minute. Brozovic comes on the field for Mikitarian, and this was the right move. We talked at the start of the pod that Brozovic is the move when you need to retain a, a lead, right? When you need to. Um, have your metronome on the field and he comes in and, and he played he played well today I mean there was nothing he didn't put a foot wrong in terms of uh, anything defensively and then in terms of just controlling the pace of play um, again he's such a, a special player when he's on um, and today he did you know he, he did his job which was to come on and secure the midfield we looked much better once he was he was on the pitch yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, once he got on there, it definitely seemed more controlled. He was able to bring things out from the back like he typically does. 
and uh, yeah, lead the counter. Um, listen, I know I've said that I, I would want to replace him, but I don't think we're going to find a player to who can do what he does, play the way he does, have the impact he does, and, and just have the calming effect on the midfield the way he does. Um, for all the things I think Hakan does well and some other players that I would like to see come to Inter do well, um, Brozovic has proven time and time again why he's the best in the world at what he does. And even though I may feel like it, I don't want to hang on to him too long before he loses too much value, I mean, at the end of the day, if we did sell him, we're not going to find anyone who does what he does. So, like, what, what's is it really worth it to for us to cash in in that regard? I don't, I don't know. So, I know it's it's frustrating when, like, earlier in the season, I I, I would have been fine with selling him. Now, I don't know that you're going to get a, a player of his quality. Um, to replace him, which if you want to continue to stay competitive, um, that's that's the name of the game there. Um, let's talk about some of these other subs from Simone. The first batch being uh, Lukaku and Devray. Di Marco comes off. Darmian kicks himself over to the left wing back position. Devray slots in uh, to the right center back position. A couple iffy moments from Devray in terms of challenges. Like he definitely. Um, I don't feel super safe with him the way that I did in the past, but that's kind of been the story with Devrai all year, right? It seems like he's fallen off yeah. a little bit. Um, and that's also the sort of questions that come in when you think about our defensive depth with Skriniar's absence, right? Like if Skriniar was in that game, this change never needs to be made because Darmian is probably starting, you know, is is able to come in at some point, Um for DiMarco, and you never even need to have to risk that right center back position. But Devray, a little iffy. Um, he won some challenges off of Origi, but I also didn't like how good Origi was looking once Devray got in the game. Yeah, I mean, we 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 kind of see this is what we get from Stefan, and I was a little nervous with him, but I feel like most of his. Origi's damage was really so much so done on Dumfries and Gagliardini. Um, the only time I think I got nervous was I think a headed ball or a ball that was kicked up from Magnan that kind of bounced in front of them and DeVry kind of held Origi back and, yeah. and was allowed, you know, able to get ahead onto it. That was the only time I was probably really nervous with, with DeVry per se. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really remember too too many other th- instances. Maybe when you know guys were dribbling at him, I got a little nervous too because I was worried he could make a clumsy tackle and give up a penalty or a foul or a free kick. I mean, um, so yeah, it's like you said. I mean, I, 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 I I'm frustrated with the whole Milan screen yard drama and back injury, and he's working out. He might be available. Blah blah blah. All the things that come out. We don't. We we are limited in the options we have, and I can't. I, and again, this is probably a testament to Simone. If, you know, he's getting the best he can out of what he has available to himself. We really are thin at the back. Um, as much as I think we need a striker next year, I, I I think it's actually more important for us to get center backs. It definitely is. Um, yeah. For for the starting you know eleven and, and and even depth because we are very limited defensively. So yeah, an injury to any of that starting back three would be catastrophic at this point in time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Lukaku comes on and <laughs> every ball that was played into him on a long ball, what he he held up play perfectly. And that action where he shrugged off like what was it, five or six Milan challenges? Like, literally, he just had 
bodies yeah. bouncing off of him. That is prime Lukaku, and I absolutely loved it. They couldn't get the ball off him. They couldn't, and I wanted him to score so badly. I really did. I The guy was – he's – given everything he's been through – with Chelsea coming back, the injuries, the not playing, the being benched for Jekyll. Everything has kind of gone against him, but he has been a constant professional. I'll give him that. Whereas I think if he was in the same situation as Chelsea, he'd probably be having, you know, meetings with Sky Sports again and, and recording stuff for them. So I'm very happy where his mental aspect is. And I think that he recognizes, you know, that this is a special place for him. This is where he really showed the world just how great he is. And I think he wants to pay back that loyalty and trust to them. And and we saw with the effort he gave today, time and time again, like you said, long balls played to him, his hold-up play, his ability to dribble past the man, his willingness to make the sacrificial pass. You know, some strikers are going to want to go for glory, and he was looking to make that extra pass to get an opportunity to score. Um, you know, I, I wish that he would have been the guy in the that Lautaro played it off to on that run that, you know, Bobby Gaggs got and, and did his typical Bobby Gaggs fluff job i don't know yeah. but i mean i was i'm very happy with the with the the cameo appearance we got from lukaku and i hope that um he's able to to carry that you know momentum into the weekend because as we've seen with with simone he's probably gonna start Correa and lukaku uh, against Sassuolo. so yeah that'll be uh good to see yeah and lukaku didn't have any shots on target but his impact on the pitch was still felt which i think is you know that's when he's at his best right is when you're still when he's in form you know he's in form when even though he's not threatening the goal but he's still making an impact in terms of his defensive work in terms of his hold up play um in terms of his ability to to shrug off challenges this, the next set of substitutions comes with t- 12 minutes to go, and it's Correa and Gallardini. And in my opinion, these subs had nothing to do with the game flow. They had nothing to do with, oh, we needed Correa on for his unpredictability, or it had nothing to do with, we needed Gallardini in there to solidify the midfield, because frankly, Barella, um, uh, Chalanoglu, Brozovic is our most solid midfield defensively, even you know if you put in Gallardini there. These subs had everything to do with this weekend. We're still fighting for top four in Serie A. It's still on the line. Um, And with 72 hours to go there, I really do feel like he needed to give someone in the midfield a break. This is from his perspective. He wanted to give someone in the midfield a break, and he wanted to give Lautaro a bit of a break. Um, The Correa Gagliardini subs, for me, they, they didn't impact the game they could have impacted the game negatively from a tactical perspective, but for me, they were entirely about getting rest for some of our bigger players. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I was not happy with uh, with those two appearances myself, of course, but like you said, I understand why um, Inzaghi did it. Although I do think that he, pro- I mean, he probably could have played Aslani instead of Gagliardini for this. I, I feel like he just offers nothing, and and when you bring him on, you're almost inviting uh, Milan to score or have some kind of impact, and and him make a clumsy challenge or or misplay a ball. It's yeah, his unpredictability is what can go bad more so than what can go good. So yeah, and Aslani uh, would have slotted away that ball that Gagliardini had in the box. I mean, I would like to think so. I mean, yeah, there's no nothing's for sure, but I would like to think that he would have been able to do something with it other than what Bobby did so yeah you're free in the box and um 
he just wasn't able <laughs> wasn't able to get it done. Hey, we've got only one more month of this nightmare, and then he's gone forever. So yeah. In terms of the match, that really was was the end of it, right? It was uh, a a performance that you know in the second half, obviously our level dropped in terms of our. Actually, go ahead. Let's talk about one thing that I feel like has gotten. I mean, I've, I've seen a little bit of it about it on Twitter, but what about the Kroonich punch right. to Bastoni? Yeah, so I I saw that there was a VAR check for that. I didn't see it during the match. Was there? I didn't see it during the match. I saw on Twitter that they were talking about how there was a VAR check, but I don't believe that to be the case because if there's a so. VAR, if there are referees in that VAR room that aren't the guy's already on a yellow card, right? If there's a referee in that VAR room that's not at least recommending a yellow in that in that challenge, I mean. He swung. He threw a, a right hook to Bastoni's body as if it was like a, a yeah. Pacquiao performance. Like he threw a beautiful right hook right right to Bastoni's midsection. There's no way the ref saw that. In the there's no way he saw that. I mean, I you could see at least on the the Paramount um, stream that Bastoni on the ground was kind of yelling like he punched me, like. I don't know. I mean, obviously, you're not going to take the ward and then go look for it. But I'm surprised nobody caught that in the VAR room. Um, I don't know if you I mean, I, I would say you at least give him a yellow. But because it's the box, would they have also awarded a penalty in that situation? It would be I, it would be a penalty, even though Bastoni wasn't involved in the action with the ball. It's the same thing as if like there's a corner and somebody's holding on to you and brings you down. Right. It's still a foul in the box, True. even if the yeah. ball's not coming to you. It's still a foul in the box, um, which is why <coughs> if that was <coughs> reviewed by the VAR, um, they really let Milan off the hook because if Benacer is going to be out for the second leg and if Krunic was sent off in that that moment and if Inter gets a penalty to go three up, like that essentially ends the tie even from like a perspective of who who's Milan going to start in their midfield, Pobega for the second leg. Like that that's such a huge call that wasn't made that I don't know how he's not called over to even look at it. Yeah, yeah, I was very surprising to me. That probably was the only thing that I would say that this referee crew and and whatever guys in the in the VAR room got wrong. Um, but you know what? I'm not going to complain. We I feel like everything else was was done properly. I mean, sure, like you said, this could have been a massive, massive thing. Like it could have, yeah, they would have been down Kroonich. We could have potentially, you know, we would have we had Lukaku on the pitch, so that's probably a goal three nil. You know, probably done and dusted, but. Um, yeah, and- it is what it is. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on it too much and let it ruin what was for the most part a, a flawless performance. So yeah, yeah, I just looked up Krunic on Twitter to find some things, and these are gold. Like if you blame the ref for that, you watch a totally different game. If anything, Milan was lucky that Krunic didn't get the red card, and also Pioli complaining to the refs after the game, like you got away, like they're the only reason that you're still in this tie. That you didn't get, <laughs> that you weren't down to ten men for real, um, and having that player suspended for the second leg. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a huge moment. Um, but the the first leg finishes two nothing to Inter. Um, any specific performances on our end that you want to call out? For me, um, Lautaro was brilliant. I, like in both phases of the game, you mentioned like 
he was doing the things with his feet in terms of getting past players that you know when Lautaro is doing that, that he's he's on one. Um, his his control and his defensive work too was just immense. Like he was making interceptions and you know just really closing down um, closing down Milan every time they had the ball in terms of their back line. So for me, Lautaro was was a standout. Yeah, it's a great shout. Uh, for me, I'm gonna give it to to Hakan. Um, I thought he was great in both aspects of the game. Obviously, he assisted on the first goal to Jekko, but his defensive responsibility and his ability to, you know, receive the ball and bring it out of the back and push the attack was phenomenal. And I feel like this was one of his better games. I think he actually does very well against Milan for the most part. Um, maybe maybe one game I can think of that he didn't do. I wouldn't even say bad, but all that great. Um, but this one, I felt like he was. I think he had a point to prove too. I mean, obviously, he knows the chance he gets and how a lot of people, you know, in, in the Milan side, like to to take digs at him for for his relationship and stuff. But my goodness, do I do I think that he had, you know, uh, I would say like a, almost like an eight out of ten performance from him, in my opinion. So I'm yeah, I'm very happy with him. And unlucky to to knock it a goal, right? Oh you always, gosh, so unlucky, so unlucky. There's nobody that you root harder for to score a goal against Milan because you know the history that's there. Um, and I yeah. really, really wanted, really, really wanted that for him. Um, in terms of a bidone, no one really gets that. I, I think everyone was was really good. I definitely want to stop seeing Acerbi doing these slips. Like that, that shit's super annoying. Yeah, what somebody is... get this guy some new cleats, please. I'm begging. You. I don't get how he's the only one that can't stay upright. It's it's insane, but. Like get them longer studs. I don't know. Like I know they're out there. I used to have them too. You know. So yeah, yeah. Strange. Um. But you know, a plus effort from the guys. A plus effort for for Simone. And uh, what about the second leg? How do you feel? I feel. I feel we're booking a trip to Istanbul. That's how I feel. This is like it's uh, the way I see it. As long as we don't lose by two goals. And I don't see us losing by two goals. Like when we lost to them, even when we played so bad early in the year, right? So bad. It was disgusting that 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 first derby of the season. We still lost 3-2. And we're we're on a high right now. I don't see us putting in a stinker of a performance. So Yeah, the other thing that can't be ruled out is that it's gonna be three fourths of the stadium is gonna be Inter, right? Yeah, and the boys are going to be buzzing f- with the fans behind them. Yeah, and in that, I, I can see them going to Lukaku and Brozovic much earlier on. Like, that's, that's um, yeah, We're, we've yeah, been... I think I, that's that's almost a thing where I think it's like, if it's nil-nil, let's say at halftime, you throw them on at the start of the second half, and you just end it. Like, the just crush their hopes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would, that that's just me. What I would do. I'm not saying that that's what Inzaghi's gonna do. And, I don't, and honestly, he knows better. He's he, like I said. I'm not gonna second guess him. If the the lineups come out for that game, I'm not gonna say anything. I I'm gonna trust in in Simone. And uh, yeah, yeah. And the other thing that is very apparent to me is that if Inter doesn't go through, this is gonna be a loss for Serie A because I don't think that Milan is on the level that could. To, no. to take a game yeah. against Real or Man City, but and I'm not saying that we're definitely gonna do that, but I think that we we present a much better 
um, representative for Serie A against those teams. Like, you know, we can play a big team. We can play a big team. And we have the Listen, players. We, we've, show, we've shown it. We've shown it. Whether, whether it's Barcelona, Bayern, even though Bayern did beat us, we still hung hard with Bayern. And, and that was when we sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Milan... No, and it's no disrespect to Milan, no disrespect to, the, to anything with them. I just... They don't have the players. Like, I, and I'm, I'm, I actually get offended when, when pundits or Paramount Plus try to say that they're, they're on the same level as Inter or, or whatever, you know, like... It drives me insane. Just because they won the title, they they were the we lost that title more than they won it. I'm sorry, that's just the way I feel. Yeah. And hats off to them. They did win the games that they had to win. They did their job, but we didn't do ours. And if had we done that, just a bare minimum, whether it's just pull off a win or even a draw against uh, Bologna, or we're able to seal off, you know, the the win against Genoa that was nil nil. They don't win. We lost by one point. Like, I'm sorry. It's it. it I can't, I can't like give them any credit. They were really just Leao and Manyan, and that's all they had going for them. And if you like, you like, you see how they look without Leao. Like they need him to be there to even be remotely interesting or have any type of bite in their attack. So, yeah, if it, we have to be in the final for the good of, of football. Yeah, and there's you, this is the first time that Inter has kept three clean sheets against Milan since the seventies in one season. So. Yeah, we're the better team. Uh, we need to go through, um, and it's going to be all hands on deck. And then, then it's the final. Knock on wood. Oh, man. Hopefully, yeah. I'm uh, I'm gonna knock on wood too. <sighs> what a game! What a game! Any last words for our listeners here before we uh, head out? You know what? No, I got nothing. Uh, nothing big to say. Um, you know, hopefully, if we if we are able to book our ticket, um, maybe we can figure out something to like have a special post match or post or whatever uh, a preview of the UCL final, whatever. Yeah, I think we should do something. Let's get everybody. Um, something good. Let's get Sharma. Let's get Nemo. Let's get let's get Mo. Let's get everybody. I mean, yeah, I would be I would be so down for let's that. Let's get a panel, like a a huge panel talking about it. That'd be amazing. All right, guys, thanks for sticking with us to the end. Uh, what a great win. Inter takes a 2-0 advantage to the second leg of the semifinal in the Champions League. In the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza ragazzi, Forza ragazzi, Forza ragazzi. <laughs>